thoughts are more important than we could ever have imagined. They define and organize our experiences. They help us learn. They help us reflect. They help us plan. They help us create. Our thoughts are endless. I'm Lisa Thompson. Please join me as we explore the enormous power of our minds. This is podcast three, Control and Self-Discipline. Hello, welcome. I'm always excited to be here with you. I have the privilege of speaking to an audience this weekend of parents about the effective ways of communicating with your teens, and I'm really looking forward to that. And so because of that, I thought today I would incorporate some of the things I'm going to talk about there uh, into this podcast. But first, I want to talk about self-discipline, having more control. Maybe the first question I have for you is, what do you want more control over? One of the first things I hear from a lot of people is, I want to lose weight or eat healthier. I think most of us have been there, right? Next, I want to feel more productive. I want to feel a sense of accomplishment. And a big one is, I want to be in control of my kids, especially my teenager. I want more control of that. Or sometimes I hear, I just want to be in control of my life in general, because right now things feel out of control, not only personally, but at work, at home, my kids, with the world. And it's different for everyone. But the thing of it is humans like to be in control, whether we're conscious of it or not. I think because being in control makes us feel safe. We especially feel empowered, I think, when we're in control, especially when things are going the way we want. I think we even like ourselves better when we're in control. Am I right? Because when we're spinning, it feels chaotic and so unpredictable, and our brains don't like chaos. So if we like being in control, why is it so hard? Aren't we usually good at the things we like? So why is being in control so hard? I'd like you to think for just a moment and ask yourself, what is one thing I want to be in control of right now? It has to be something realistic, something not like controlling the war in Ukraine or the COVID epidemic. Just ask yourself what it is, what you would like to be in control of with you. Now, let's say you came up with uh, wanting to eat healthier, or I want to lose weight. That's sometimes my daily dialogue. I know in my head that I want to eat healthier. And there are some days when I say this is the day. But then someone brings us a plate of cookies and our brain says, it would be rude to not have just one because my friend went to all the trouble to make them and bring them to me. And then before you know it, you've helped yourself to another one, even after we've told ourselves that today was the day we're going to eat healthier. That just reminded me of my mom. She had such a great sense of humor. And she would often joke saying, my daily mantra is something I'm going to say every single night. And that is, I'm going to start my diet tomorrow. And the reason this is so funny is because there's truth to that for a lot of us, right? We continually give ourselves excuses and then we spiral. 
I think one of the most important factors to being successful is the concept of self-discipline. I like to read about people who have been successful, and I've noticed that there is a common thread to success. There are usually three things that I've noticed that seems to be the most common attributes among successful people. Number one, they're focused and unwavering. They keep to the task and they don't get too distracted. And I think the focus is the thing that motivates them. And number two, they're self-disciplined and resilient. I think it comes from a strong belief system that no matter what, they're going to work hard and not give up. And when things do fall back, they still keep on going. And number three, I think that they have a positive mindset. And if they didn't, I think there wouldn't be much progress that would take place. So there is no thought of failing. It's just another step getting closer to the goal. Just like Thomas Edison once said, Thomas Edison is famous for inventing a lot of things, but the thing I think he gets most credit for, I think is the incandescent electric light bulb. And it was reported that Thomas Edison failed at least a thousand times before successfully in inventing this light bulb. And when a reporter asked him about failing a thousand times before he got it right, you know what Edison's reply was? He said, I didn't fail 1,000 times. The light bulb was an invention of 1,000 steps. So you can see from this reply that he had a positive perception. Instead of looking at it at the many times that he failed, his perspective was that it took him 1,000 steps. This mindset can greatly enhance our abilities toward accomplishment. I've also been reading a little bit about Elon Musk. He has become very successful on several fronts, but not without struggles. When he was younger, he applied at several emerging tech companies and got rejected by every single one of them. And so um, from that, he decided to start his own business. Now, a lot of people, that would be the end or would generate a lot of feelings of doubt or lack of self-worth. But he started his own company and it didn't go so well. So he shifted and got a little more creative. And instead of giving up, he then started something else. He started a company called PayPal. You've probably heard of it. And did you know that it was voted as one of the worst business ideas in 1999? But he didn't give up. He just put it on the back burner for a while. And since then, it has become very successful, as we know. Then he started a company called Tesla. And at first, this didn't go very well either. In fact, he ended up putting all of his personal money into it to keep just to keep it going. And I believe he even slept on the factory floor and he put extraordinary efforts and time into it. He knew in his mind that it was going to be successful. And so that mindset continually pushed him to keep working at it. And now it has become quite successful. And then he started a company called SpaceX, which also went into or close to bankruptcy. I think NASA stepped in to help fund it. And so even to this day, he puts a lot of time and effort into that company. And not too long ago, uh, SpaceX sent, uh, I think, some of the first civilians into space and orbited the Earth for about three days. And I believe he's, I believe he's uh, aiming to start colonizing the planet Mars. At least that's what I remember. Uh, but now, um, I hope I got that right. But the point is, it seems that successful people are very determined despite 
their setbacks and they hold fast to their beliefs. They become creative when faced with obstacles. And I think they have this resilience of taking control or having self-discipline, which has great merit in their progress. Now, what if Thomas Edison gave up on the 900th try or Elon gave up on any of his ideas when they were about to go bankrupt? So are we willing to put in the time and work that it takes to be self-disciplined in something that we want? I firmly believe that determination is key. I believe you have to, to uh, do what it takes to eat healthier, to lose weight, and you just have to convince your thoughts to follow. But if the answer is no, I think that's okay too, because you can decide and whatever your decision is, just be okay with it. Now, what about the statement, I just want to have more control over my kids. My kids are out of control. Now, if you haven't figured this out already, I'm here to tell you, you are not in control of your children. And I'm sorry to say that and never will be. I know we don't want to hear that, right? I think our brains get confused sometimes because as parents, we think that we are or that we should be in control of our kids. Some parents believe subconsciously that they feel that they're an extension of their kids, but this just isn't true. Just step back for a moment and really think deep. If you are a parent, do you really want to be in control of your child? Telling them every move to make or every thought they should have or do you want to teach them the skills so that they can be in control of themselves? Do you want to be a dictator or do you want our kids to feel or do you want your kids to feel empowered? So children are going to be faced with all kinds of challenges and you aren't always going to be there to tell them what to do. So which sounds better? My guess is that you hope your child will grow up and feel empowered. So how do we do this? I think if parents can think of themselves as simply as stewards over their children or kind of like mentors or teachers, rather than we have to tell our kids constantly what to do, I think the end result of what we hope for for our kids will turn out much better. And that heavy burden we make for ourselves of making sure we get it right will actually weigh a lot less. But our brains are saying, but I want the best for, our ch for my child. I don't want them to make mistakes. I want them to have it better than I had it growing up. And there's nothing wrong with those feelings as long as we know that we can't control them. Now, I'm not saying we can't have influence over our kids. We definitely should. But our aim is not to dominate them and not to manipulate them in order to, to control them or make them see our viewpoints. I think what kids need most is for us to be examples to them. Kids are going to create their own thoughts and feelings as they grow up, despite what we want them to think and feel, because everyone's different. So it's your job to be there for your child, especially during the teen years. This is the time when our child's brain isn't fully developed yet. They're still searching to find their own identity and their own voice. And this is the time when we need to listen more, listen more than telling them what they should be doing. I hope this makes sense. And I don't mean that we shouldn't teach our kids right from wrong or that things aren't important or that we shouldn't have family rules in place, but 
What if we shift our thinking and we decide right now, what kind of parent do I want to be? Do I want to be one that yells? Do I want to get impatient? Or do I want to be loving and kind and one that connects with my teen and, and be a good role model for my teen? Did you know that there have been studies done where parents have the greatest influence on their teens by what they do rather than what they say? If you want your teen to listen, the best gift you can give to them is to be a good listener. Yes, we provide, clothe, and feed them, and we want the best for them, but we don't control our child. And of you who have had a child throw a tantrum, you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) And that's true from the day they were born. But when our child starts to pull away or starts making decisions that we don't like, this makes parents want even more control. And then we get into all kinds of worries. And this is usually when we find ourselves yelling and not showing up as the parent we want to be. Now, suddenly the child doesn't need us anymore. And they try to seek more independence from us. And then we try to reel them in closer. And the more we reel them in closer, the tighter the string gets. And then this leads to feelings of discouragement by both the parent and the child. And then we tell ourselves we just need more control, but it just becomes a vicious circle instead, right? So if we start with this premise that we are not supposed to control our kids, we become more curious instead of, di- uh, instead of dictators. Our child feels safer to come to you with things that they're struggling with. I think as parents of teens, if we become more curious without the intent of lecturing, I think teens will start talking more openly. There, you know, there are two things that teens look forward from their parents most of all is approval and acceptance. And I think if parents really realized their teens' fears come from criticism and being told what to do and often receive unsolicited advice, then that's the times they will not come to to their parents. But you might say, but I don't want my kids to make mistakes, and it's my responsibility to make sure he makes good choices. But the best way to teach your child is first to model it. And I suspect you don't like to hear criticism, and you don't like unsolicited advice that frequently either, right? But So what if we we treat, or I'm sorry, what if we talked to our children or treated them the way that we would like to be spoken to or treated? Most importantly, it's so important to see your child as one who is not perfect, because they aren't. No human is perfect. Yet equally important to not see your child as one who is a failure, or what you interpret as a failure. But when we see our teen as one that's striving to become a whole person, flaws and all, and you decide that you're just going to be there to love them, never to to shame or criticize, but to encourage and motivate, which do you think is the greatest motivator? When your teen feels what you believe in them, they will live up to that. Let me repeat that. When your teen feels what you believe in them, they will live up to that. Positivity and love are one of the greatest, are some of the greatest motivators. 
Teaching your child to keep going after a failure is much more important than trying to prevent a mistake. And when they make mistakes, which they will make many, you're going to love them anyway and recognize that their mistakes are not you or an extension of you. And I think it's important that we always let our children know of our unconditional love for them. But that's not to say that we don't have family rules. Having family rules actually makes children feel safe. And family rules can be tweaked over time according to ages. But if there's no question about a family rule and the consequence, the child will always know what to expect even when they make a wrong decision. So let's, let's talk a little bit about family rules. Now, trust me on this. If you have these in place, it will alleviate a lot of tension in your household. But with strong emphasis, that setting family rules together with your child not only increases the chances your child will follow them, but it alleviates all the bickering and the arguing in the future because all family members are on the same page and they know what to expect. Before our fifth child was born, when four, our four were young, my husband and I, we grew tired of them bickering and complaining a lot about a lot of things. And we knew it was time that we set some family rules. And it was even instigated when our eight-year-old daughter asked us, why do you always get to the, be, be the boss of us? So we thought that was a good question. And we decided to have a family council. So we sat down and explained that we would like each of them to have more of a voice in our family. So we explained that every month we are going to have family elections open to anyone in our family who ever wanted to be family president and they could campaign, they could campaign and then we would all vote. So that night with the input of our children, we decided the family president would get to decide who sits where in the car. They would get a small budget and they'd get to decide where the family could go for an activity. And because we always said family prayer with our kids every night, the president would get to call on the person to give the prayer. And then there are a few other similar things. And as a result of our family elections, there was no more fighting in the car who would, or who would sit where in the car because it was the president's job to decide and everyone respected that. Campaigning each month became more and more dramatic, though. Posters were made and even promises like, if you vote for me for president, I'll make your bed every morning. And another one was, I'll give you a dollar. Not often, but a few times we had a president impeached for not following up on their promises, though. Also, from this same family council, we came up with a can-do list. We all contributed realistic things that we can do on Sundays because this day was the day when the kids felt really deprived. They couldn't watch TV or play with friends as we wanted this day to just be our family day without all the influences of the outside world. So our kids were seeing this day as this dreadful day and because we had imposed these two rules on them. But I was shocked that our can-do list became an entire typewritten page. It consisted of things like reading, playing a game, listening to music, baking a treat, drawing, going for a walk, and many more things. So when my kids came to me on Sunday saying they were bored, all I had to do was tell them to go look at our can-do list. And that's all it took. They could go look and be content to pick something and no whining at all. It was a win for both. So why am I telling you all this? Because when we allow our children to be involved in family matters, 
and particularly the family rules, and they can be tweaked, like I said, for the older kids, they learn to be more in control of themselves and most likely rise to the occasion and follow those rules, especially if they've contributed to the ideas and the consequences. Now, I know that when we're not constantly battling for control with ourselves or with our kids, and as we examine our thoughts closely, we will make things happen that we truly want with greater determination and with greater self-discipline. So hopefully, I got you thinking today. I know you can do it, and I know you can take control. I hope you subscribe to my podcast. Also, leave a review if you are so inclined. I'm Lisa Thompson. Until next time.